Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in. Today I'm talking with Randall Broad, executive chef of Not Your Lola's Concepts in Dallas, Texas. Randall, good to talk to you. Good afternoon. What's up? All right. We're going to deep dive into Filipino food. I want from the onset to know about that. I'm very excited about that notion. But like we always like to do, we start every story at the beginning, a little origin. Love this. You're a Navy brat born on the island of Guam. Fascinated in hearing a little bit about just the idea of that international uh, background mm-hmm. uh, setting the tone for you. So talk about Guam just a little bit. Growing up uh, as an American on the island of Guam. Don't forget about Guam and Puerto Rico, people. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Guam. Um, Guam is a gorgeous island out in the middle Pacific, basically out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a small group of islands around it. Um, I can't actually remember or pronounce any of the names around it, but um, it's part of the Mariana, uh, the Mariana Trench Islands. Um, and it's just this beautiful place. Um, I was born there on Anderson Air Force Base. Like you said, my dad was in the Navy um, doing his due diligence, uh, hooking up with the island women. and. Uh, and he met my mom there, uh, was born. Um, and not very long after, because of my dad's work with the Navy, we moved to the East Coast of the U.S. We lived all, uh, in Maine and Florida, Georgia, uh, South Carolina for an extended period of time. And then uh, my dad retired in, I think it was 1988, and we moved back to Texas, where he's from. But um, I moved from Guam at a very, very, very young age, so I've, I've don't remember any of it um but I went back early last year and spent five days out there and surprised my mom uh by uh, coming out and visiting I didn't tell any of my family out there that was coming out to visit and, and I came out and knocked on her door and woke her up one morning and she's like is this a dream what are you doing here and so so yeah I like it I'm, I'm gonna be interested I think this thread is gonna come back up through this conversation of kind of your idea of, of travel and experiencing different cultures and, and oh, yeah. that those ideals I think are something very important that I believe in heavily and we'll get back to it. So I wanted to lay the foundation for that thread because I feel like it's going to come up a few times and <laughs> I want people to know we're going to be talking international for sure. I yeah. really liked reading about your first jobs. We talk about the first job in the industry a lot. I think it informs the way that we start out, mm-hmm. sets a trajectory for sure. And you said your first job really was at McDonald's, and then you kind of moved on to Fridays as a prep cook. But I wanted to come back and talk about McDonald's. And this was interesting to me because it's almost like a thing as a chef that you get some notoriety, you got some skills, you're getting the accolades, like you're doing your thing, you have a restaurant. And it's almost like a a badge of shame having worked at a place like McDonald's. But you know what? Like, you're in the hospitality (laughs) industry. And like, people matter. Like, we're in an industry where people matter. And there is 
badasses that work at McDonald's and they should hold their head high. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I really appreciate that part of it. I've been guilty of being fucking elitist about like, you know, how I came up and my family's been in the industry for five consecutive generations, like legacy and all that. But you know what? Yeah. Somebody's grinding at McDonald's, like they're winning. And, and so I wanted to just point that out. Maybe you have some thoughts on that, having worked within that ecosystem that maybe a lot of us in the restaurant side don't know about. Um, I, I just remember it was I, less than a year that I worked for McDonald's. Uh, like you said, it's not something that a lot of people bring up and are proud to mention or even acknowledge on a, an application or a resume. Um, but it is it was a starting point. Um, and I'm going to be humble about it. And I, I'm not going to say that that's where I got my start, but that's the first place I cooked that I, I was hired on that I was, you know, cooking food. Um, and you're right, it's, it's a hospitality industry and whether it's McDonald's or Denny's or Red Lobster or TGI Fridays, you know, you're, you're providing a service, you're still cooking food, you know, and at that time, um, food was still being actually cooked, you know, um, but I feel somewhat confident in saying that you never know what was going on really back then. I mean, I think I was 16, 15, 16 years old. I was like 1995, 96. So, but yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. It's something that's, uh, yeah, it's just the place I worked at. It's like anybody that worked in sales, like, Oh, I worked at Kroger as a cashier, you know, or I worked before stocking at, at a pet store or something like that, you know, and they're veterinarian or something. So it's, it's it's all part of the grind, you know. Whether you started in the McDonald's or you started in a as a dishwasher in a in a restaurant or a hotel. Yeah, I dig it. I, I think we all start somewhere. To your point, is exactly it, and I appreciate you throwing that on there because you gave an opportunity for that rant that I had because I think it's important. <laughs> we get uh, pretty highfalutin sometimes in the industry, and uh, and people that work at McDonald's matter, man. Everybody, every level yeah. of the industry matters. And so then yeah. you went on to Fridays as a prep cook, and that's where mm -hmm. you said you really kind of started to understand the love of, of food and having that connectivity to it. And you seems like you were hooked. Then you went to a Cuban restaurant, and you were like on a path. Talk about the, that moment of realization of going, oh, yeah, I'm in this game for life. Um, it was, man, it was like a, busy Friday or Saturday night and I'm working the fry station at a TGI Fridays and we hand dust, hand batter everything uh, at that time, you know, all of our sauces were made by hand, you know, and you know, just all of our, a lot of stuffs were made, a lot of items were made by hand. None of it was really a convenience item or anything like that that you see nowadays. Um, in a lot of, in a lot of casual places, but, um, and we were just, you know, getting our dicks kicked in and, Afterwards, the KM when we sent one of the dishwashers and got a case of beer, and we're all sitting in the parking lot after we cleaned up. He's like, "You guys did great," and we all shared a beer. And for me, it was it's kind of like this family bonding moment. Like, yeah, I like this. You know, that's this is cool. You know, this is this is welcoming. You know, it's it's warming. It's rough. It's tough. You know, but that's a that's the thing about you know, any industries, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs with it. So it was, I think it was that, that was the moment that I was like, yeah, this is something I'm interested in. This is, it was thrilling. It was the adrenaline rush you get, of, you know, of working a hotline and in a busy service, you know, it's, it's invigorating. It's a high for sure. 
Yeah, you found your tribe, as I like to say, for sure. The uh, the island of misfit toys. I think that that yeah, moment absolutely. of camaraderie and finding it for sure is yeah is big. Uh, I I hear that. All right, a couple of personal things that I think are interesting. I always like to have those things people don't know about you. You played the cello all the way through high school. I'm fascinated. Yep. People that have are multifaceted when it comes to creativity. Uh, talk about that. It's not necessarily the rock star instruments. However, <laughs> it's like you are able to express yourself like in a way that even in cooking, a lot of times we don't. And maybe if you see any correlations between the way you thought about music and the way you think about cooking. Yeah, it's funny um, that you say that the it's not a it's not a rock star instrument. I never once got tell me tell the, me you were in a cello. rock band. <laughs> tell me you were in like a a metal band playing cello because I would love that. Stick that in my face and say, actually, it was a rock star, but no, no, no. It would be really interesting to say that. I was approached once by a, a metal band in high school to come play a few shows with them for a couple of songs. They they wanted to add some string um, music to and and be metal and classical at the same time, I guess. But, you know, I, have, I had this bit of stage fright at the time and I just went, no, I'm not, I don't care if it's 10 people, I'm not getting up on any kind of stage and performing, so. Do you find yourself, um, the way that you connected with music, connecting with cooking, do you, do you see any correlations? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I have friends who are, who are into punk music and they're, they're, you know, there are times considered the, the punk chef, you know, the chef of the punk scene, you know, Justin Box here in Dallas is, is considered that. We have, you know, uh, yeah, and I think people that, you know, they just, they listen to music and that's what they listen to when they cook, you know. For me, it was jazz or classical music, more, more predominantly jazz, jazz music, but you, you have something that's like, it gets you going, like it gets the creative juices flowing, it gets the, the the vibe and steadiness in your hand for knife work going it just it, it gets you ready to do prep work and just like put some love and soul into some plates and you know and create something new and so i think music is absolutely interconnected and intertwined with uh, cooking i love digging into people's fridges and pantries feel like i know everything about you if i know what you eat and drink at home right <laughs> Hot sauce has been coming up a lot lately, and you you actually brand dropped Valentina's. Talk about why that is an absolute must for you, the Valentina's hot sauce. You know, they have two different uh, degrees of hotness with the Valentina. There's the yellowish orange label, I think it is, and then the black. And the black label is also the, is obviously the fire. The fire one. I think a lot of times you f I find with hot sauces, it sort of has a metallic taste aftertaste to it and it may be from the preservatives that they use or the way they process the peppers or ferment the peppers but I'm just not a big fan of that and so valentina just it doesn't have that aftertaste it's just it's either straight fire and flavor you know flavor with the the milder one so it goes i feel like it's great on everything I, i've got a bottle of tapatio just sitting in my fridge that i just wasn't pleased with and it's a half a bottle of Cholula sitting there, but it's it's always the the, the Valentina man. The hot sauce of breakfast is chilaquiles and migas and breakfast tacos and breakfast burritos, man. I like it. Here's what's going to happen from this show. A handful of people are going to go, all right, I'll give it a shot. And then and for, the, for the rest <laughs> of their lives, they're going to be on this Valentina kick. And go, I remember that guy, Randall Broad. 
got me <laughs> got me addicted to Valentinas. I love it. They'll All either love it. it or you'll re, you'll receive a bunch of hate mail saying that guy was an idiot for just ever suggesting Valentino. You'll go you'll get one or the other. So. Oh, you have both. You always have both. One yeah. somebody's like, You're full of shit. And the next yeah. comment, somebody's like, You're basically Michael Jordan of hot sauce now. <laughs> yeah. So it, <laughs> it is enough? what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I I just love here's the thing. I love when people have their thing even if it's not my thing yeah and especially in food like there's so much that divides us i always know that if somebody's into cooking we can rap like yeah no yeah. doubt we can talk about food and i can go to the middle of nowhere louisiana who I, where i may or may not have a lot in common with people and if we're cooking something and i'm eating whatever they are eating even if that means it's possum i don't care <laughs> I'm into it because you're into it. And if people have you're breaking, a thing, I just love you're it. You're breaking bread. You know, you're breaking bread with somebody. It's the best. And if you want to get a point across to me that may be counter to the way that I think or something I believe, over a meal, the best chance you ever have. Absolutely. It's when I'm the most open, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Valentina's people, get on it. Let's Valentina. go. Energy is flowing. I just, I, I love the giggles and the laughs when you're talking about Valentina because you know how awesome it is, yet ridiculous <laughs> it is, also is how we get so hyped on something yeah. like hot sauce. But it's real, man. It's real. So let's yeah. get into something that you're real hyped on that I'm super curious about. We always like to play these best served on icebreaker games, a little way for us to geek out. I love going down rabbit holes, love learning new stuff. Selfishly, most of the time, these are just for me. <laughs> to learn some new things from some experts, but maybe one or two people listening get something out of it as well. Right. So I want to play a little game. The Philippines is spelled with a PH. It is. Filipino is spelled with an F. Just tell us what's going on there real quick. Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I know that the Philippines was named after King Philip of Spain when Spain, the Spain missionaries in, uh, came over and colonized Spain. So there's that. I think because of the alphabet, and I could be wrong, um, because of the way the alphabet is, it's with an F when you're describing the actual people. Because in Tagalog, they don't have PH as a sound. Probably. Um, yeah. That, those, are the, those, are two, those are the two things I found as well. So I just, I'm glad, you know, your, yeah. your, your credibility is high right now. Because, oh, 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 <laughs> you're testing me let me uh let me explain let me preface that first like so my parents were divorced when i was five and i, I didn't have the filipino influence and culture in my life for 29 years of my life um so like a, a lot of the stuff i'm doing with my food and nacho wallas and the cooking it, it's it's new to me it's this is um a it's my journey into my culture. It's I'm teaching myself and I'm learning with my friends, my business partners. And so <laughs> uh, it's funny that you put, <laughs> you asked me that question. Cause I mean, I may have read that and I, I didn't, I didn't think I retained it. So I don't know. I mean, I thought I was taking a wild guess at that question. Um, so a lot of this stuff is it's new to me, you know, I'm, I'm diving head first into what could be shallow waters or you know deep waters you know sometimes i don't know and so there's a lot of things i i fail at with when i fail at with when we're cooking a lot of our dishes and we spend a lot of time cooking and r and D'ing stuff so but yeah so i just think it, it's it's uh it's kind of ironic that you put me on the spot like that it's, it's exactly why i wanted to do this uh, that was 
the curiosity that I had because this is new to everybody outside of the Philippines, really. And a few bedrock communities across the country, Mm -hmm. the Filipino food, man, it's so diverse. I I really put it right up there with some of the Chinese food and Mexican food is the most diverse. I mean, there's over a a hundred different micro ethnicities, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you and I joked about it, but it's very different than, say, Mexico, where it's very regional, the styles. Right. Uh, The Philippines, having a, a Filipino aunt and then cousins, I got exposed to it a little bit. And it was very mm-hmm. much the neighborhood. Every neighborhood yeah. had this microethnicity. And so there was these broad dishes that kind of you saw across the islands. Mm-hmm. However, they were just really unique to that neighborhood because it was made more Japanese influence, more Spanish influence, more Chinese influence, more yeah. pure Tagalog. And I thought that was super fascinating. So I wanted to give people just, just a glimpse because there's no chance of us really giving Filipino culture, Filipino food, the full breadth of respect that it deserves. But I want to touch on a couple of things that people might have heard of and have you just kind of pontificate a little bit on what they really represent and then okay. maybe some of the ways that you're applying your techniques, your thinking to it uh, today. So I think the first thing when people think uh, Filipino food that they may or may not know that they hear is adobo. Adobo is foundational to the cooking. So talk to us Give us the, the high level of what adobo is and then how you're really thinking about that as a chef in your contemporary kitchen. Um, adobo is one of those dishes that um, it's also become a great um, bridge dish for Filipinos and Western society and Western uh, um, culture. So you have your basic Filipino dishes that are kind of easy to kind of push on to the Western palate. Adobo is one of them. It's very basic. It's traditionally soy, vinegar, um, the fat of whatever uh, protein you're using. It's in, in adobo, it's usually pork or uh, chicken. Um, so it's just basically our, our stew. You know, it's like it's one of our stews, or, except it's not a stew. It's a, it's a dish, a casserole dish of sorts. It's our casserole. Like you said, it with the you know with Filipino food, it, it changes from village to village, and you know um, also regional too. Um, there's different types of adobo. There's white adobo that uses coconut milk. There's green adobo and yellow adobo. Yellow uses the turmeric, and that's more towards the southern uh, islands uh, like Mindanao and Aldeser. So, and you have your Ilocano, Lozano style adobo which is more with the soy sauce and the white vinegar lechon and and, you know crispy skin and juicy tender meat you know on the inside and we we truss ours up we stuff it with lemongrass shallot and green onions and scallion spring onions and uh, we sew it up and we put it on a spit and you know turn that sucker and let it roast for six hours you know um cebu which is uh, an island Part, a big, big part of the Philippines, big island of the Philippines. Um, they're very well known for uh, lechon. Um, in fact, they're known for having the best lechon in all of the Philippines. Um, there's a restaurant called Zubuchan. I think I said, I'm hoping I'm saying it right, Zubuchan. Um, and they, uh, they make the, the best lechon in all of the Philippines. So Martha Stewart was just there recently stuffing her face with lechon and getting her fingers and lips greasy from the fat and uh, 
a lot of celebrities go there <laughs> to get uh to get lech on that's how uh that's how famous it is uh in the philippines so a lot of people here in the states especially in dallas i get a lot of people asking me he's like hey where can i go to get lech on so um there's a couple of restaurants here that do it um a couple of filipino restaurants here that do it so but it's uh it's it's arduous you know it's labor intensive and it's uh, it's not it's not something easy so it's different than some of the like a Kahlua pig burying it in the ground over right. hot stones, whatever that might be, wrapped in banana leaves, forgetting mm -hmm. about it. Or hand turning. There may be a pit that is a hundred feet long with dozens of pigs, and they're all getting <laughs> at least a dozen pigs. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, dozens, plural, <laughs> dozens and dozens of pigs. Yes. Yeah. Getting continuously turned. Uh, uh -huh. You know, there may be ones I've seen where it's it's automated and spit, but a lot of them I've seen. People are hand-turning hand them. Yeah. And even the ones that are automated, quote-unquote, you're still watching it. It's very oh, much yeah. like you can – they'll speed up and slow down and tend the fire. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is an entire event. It's is, an is that art. something you feel is, like, fundamental to just part of respect within the culture for I, the lechon? I think so. I think so. I mean, you can't, you, can't throw, you can't roll up a pork belly and throw it in the oven and call it lechon. You're making a fucking porchetta. You know, yeah, the skin's going to be crispy, and if you baste it the way you know lechon's supposed to be basted, and you cook it any other way that you're normally supposed to cook it, other than the fact that it's cooked in a convention or a convectional oven, sure. But you're not paying tribute to what lechon really is. You know, for me, if I would say if I would put that on me, it'd be lechon porchetta. It's kind of like lechon, but it's porchetta. You know, just let people know that this isn't this is kind of like what we had to do because we don't have a spit roast or you know and that going on it's so for me if i'm gonna do lechon i'm gonna do it right you know i'm, I'm gonna have it on spit i'm gonna have the hot coals going you know i'm gonna use natural lump wood you know to to get to you know for my fire you know i'm gonna be specific with the type of wood and the flavor of wood that i'm gonna use too so and that's the thing about filipino food is it's regional you know those pigs that they use in Cebu, they're born and raised in Cebu and they're fed a particular diet, just the way that, you know, Kobe beef and Wagyu beef, you know, the way they're tended to, the way those cows are tended to and taken care of, it's almost in the same sense the way these pigs are, I mean, they're not necessarily groomed and, and hand-bathed and they have powdered uh, pig styes and all this stuff, but, you know, they're taken care of and they're well-fed, so um, they want the best pigs and if you're going to do it, do it right you know, don't have asset. I want to get one more in because this is super mm -hmm. great. There's so many. I'm just going to throw so some many. out there. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher a lot of the names, but you've got Longanisa, you got Tapa, the cured beef, you got Topsalug, uh -huh. which is like breakfast forever. Got a got a Halo Halo, which is the uh, dessert, Balut, which yeah. is super scary for, I love it. Yeah. for people. <laughs> What's maybe one more where you say, this is just fundamental, like I can't live or breathe without it. Normally, any Filipino would say balut because they want to see the reaction from people and whatnot. But um, I think uh, topsalog, you know, which is our breakfast, our Filipino breakfast, which is in itself, man, it's a meal, you know, and it's not something to screw around with. It's to be taken serious, you know, it's not uh, a lightly taken meal. So your tapas uh, could be your, your, your soy and garlic uh, sun-cured beef, um, or it could be tocino, which is a cured pork. Um, it could be spam. It could be hot dog. But you have these proteins 
and you pick your protein and then you get your garlic they give you garlic rice garlic fried rice and they give you two fried eggs uh sunny side up fried eggs and they're you know kind of over over medium hard cooked almost they give you a little bit of achata which is the pickled papaya uh, salad and it's this sweet and vibrant tart condiment and it goes great with everything even the eggs um maybe a little bit of banana ketchup on your eggs tops the log the our, uh, sea log breakfast is where it's at awesome well let's talk yes who are some of the people and let's start with maybe maybe the first person you think of when you think of like who's somebody that impacted your life your career start us somewhere with somebody that means a lot to you that you'd yeah. like to give some um, some acknowledgement to my uh, my paternal grandfather, who isn't alive anymore, but um, he passed away about ten years ago. He was the conduit that got me going with my my curiosity with food. Um, and what was his name? John Hargrave. Um, okay. He was a self. He he was a home cook. Um, for all I knew, I didn't know very much about him. But uh, when we would spend summers with him, he for me he would make these incredible meals. You know. Uh, growing up, a hamburger helper was a typical meal for us, or a hot dog night, a uh, fried potato sandwich night. Uh, so going to his place and having filet mignon or uh, seafood gumbo or um, sliced deli sliced turkey on multigrain bread with cracked black pepper, you know, that was something new to me. Um, so just the way he uh, presented food to us and the way he spent time in the, in the kitchen and cooking and he introduced me to jazz. I feel that energy in you when you talk about the Filipino food. You're trying to do the same thing your grandfather did to, for you, for other people. Am I, am I reading Absolutely. that correctly? Yeah. Absolutely. Talk about that yeah. a little bit, how you're channeling your grandfather in that way. When I came back from the Philippines early last year, I spent uh, three and a half weeks out there. Um, and I came back and I was just dying for Filipino food. And I missed it. Because when you're out there, when you travel, you you walk and you eat and you're usually walking to the next place that you're going to eat at whether the next place is five feet or 500 feet you walking and then eating and so that's all we did when i got back from the philippines i missed that daily grind of okay where are we going to go eat at first and okay where are we going to eat at now or next you know and so diving into every i ate everything that was presented to me when i was in the philippines and so I wanted to bring that back and I missed that, you know, coming back and I wanted to bring that with me. And I had always planned to bring that with me. And that was part of the intent of my trip to the Philippines was to bring back what I, what I, you know, immerse myself in. And so, and doing that, I just, I knew that Dallas doesn't have a very big Filipino restaurant presence, especially Dallas proper. There's some mom and pop places spread out, out in the suburbs of Dallas, nothing in Dallas proper. So we wanted you know, the group, my group, Nacho Lola, is we want to, that's what we wanted to do was present the city of Dallas and the people of Dallas. Filipino food is amazing. You know, it's, let me present it to you in a way that it's not scary. And so we just started thinking of ways of, of different ways of making the food and, and not necessarily elevating it, but evolving the presentation of it. So yeah, that's, that was the, the journey for us. And then for me also, uh, you know, learning about my, my people's food, you know, and these guys that I've, my partners in the group, you know, my, my friends, they, they grew up with the, the experience and the culture and that part of their daily lives, eating Filipino food every day. You know, I didn't. For me, it's, I'm like, you know, I, although I turned 40 in April, I'm like this little kid learning all over again. Exciting. It's, I'm having fun. I'm, you know, I feel kind of rejuvenated by the process again. So. Kind of pulling in both directions. And so it's nice to think about 
you know, your journey now in Filipino food and diving into that culture, yet you, you're taking a moment to reflect on your Texan grandfather and the fact mm-hmm. that in, in part he set you on a path that leads you looking at a completely different culture than the culture of, of say, Texas, but then trying to find a way to connect that culture to the culture of Texas. Uh, it's connecting yeah. those dots is so the journey. And I'm excited that you guys are on it and uh, that you're 40 years young and have that childlike <laughs> enthusiasm for food is, uh, is inspiring. I know your group just between you guys, it, it kind of is infectious. So I love hearing that. All right. That's a good start. I don't know who comes <laughs> after grandpa. It's always a tough act to follow after a grandpa. What, uh, give us somebody else who really uh, uh, means something, had an impact on you. Um, Peja Kerstick. He was not the first chef I worked for, but one of the last chefs I worked for before deciding that I'm better off on my own doing my own thing. So I was a sous chef for him at this little restaurant called Mahaiba in this little suburb within Dallas called Lakewood. Mahaiba is this four-star, badass little 40-seat Vietnamese restaurant. You know, we would do 120, 160, 70 covers on a Thursday night, and 200 plus on a Friday night. It was crazy out of that little 40 seat, you know, restaurant. So um, he ser- he's a Serbian chef, did a lot of, uh, of his cooking and coming up in European hotels and, and out there. So when he came out here and working for him here was, um, it was a bit of a struggle. There was a lot of conflict between he and I. Um, whether it was the language barrier or just my ego or his ego, sometimes it always seemed that we were <laughs> throwing a pan at each other or uh, just cussing at each other in the middle of lunch service. But in between those tense moments when you know we're either breaking down or prepping for the next service, he and I connected in a way that put all the bickering or any of the conflict that we had during service, like it was like, that was nothing. It was just us um, figuring each other out and, you know, kind of our barriers and, and borders, I guess. And, you know, and, and seeing where one can push the other to whatever extent and limit. So um, there was a lot of that. And he, he taught me, you know, that, sometimes our barriers are bullshit, you know, and it's not even about uh, us personally. It's about, you know, it's always about putting the food out for the guests and, um, you know, about I needed to put my ego and my pride away. So I worked for him when I was in a very dark place in my life. I just recently got divorced and moved back to Dallas from um, the other side of town near Fort Worth and had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Didn't even know if I wanted to cook anymore. Uh, I had been, 12, 15 years deep into cooking already and didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, after I left working for him, he, he, there were a couple of things I, he, he realized once the smoke clears of some of certain situations in life that there are things that you can learn and you actually pick up on. It's like, man, why didn't I see this while I was going through this? Or why didn't I hear him? Why didn't I remember him saying this? Or why was I so mad when in this moment when I should have been listening. And so there was a lot of reflecting going on after the fact. And so um, a, lot of, a lot of things, uh, I let a lot of things go. And he and I, you know, after the fact, he's, he's one of the greatest people I know. He's one of the greatest chefs in Dallas, one of my greatest friends. And uh, I love working, I've 
love cooking with him and, and doing events at his restaurants. So uh, he's a great guy. Have you gotten to really tell him that? Like reflect on that and say, man, you, you got me through a time. You pushed me in a way that I needed to be pushed. You sparked something in me. Have you gotten to have that type of conversation with him? Yeah, a couple times we've, you know, there have been very, a lot of times when he and I have been like, you know, he'll remember he had said something in the past and, hey, uh, I'm sorry I called you a fat old woman at one time or something like that, you know, or, uh, you know, whatever. And, you know, and he's very sincere and real when he comes to talk to you uh, about these things. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a chef that on the outside looks like he's um, unapproachable but he is, he's very approachable. Um, guy, he's hilarious as hell. He's got a a gorgeous two or three year old son named Philip, um, beautiful wife. And, uh, he, he makes, he makes incredible looking food and it's a, it's great. It tastes amazing too. So it's just the guy's an amazing chef and amazing person all around. So. I love that you call you a fat old woman. That's like a lost in translation, (laughs) uh, Eastern Bloc Soviet. Uh, I bet that's a, big ass where he comes from and you're like the fuck did you just call me (laughs) i love it i love the banter (laughs) the banter is great i'm sure that's it's like a whole other podcast of all the isms of of i I like the serbian chef at the viet restaurant in lakewood dallas texas area uh Uh all of the contradictions are beautiful i'm sure yeah and super interesting so I, i like this transition into it's interesting when I was listening to you talk, you know, you're a passionate guy, you're both burning hot, you find a moment, the moments of re- mutual respect, I call it trust and confidence, right, in, yeah. in the people that we work with is important. And I want to transition right into Not Your Lola's because you have a, a, a four-man uh, team yes, in, in, in leadership. And so when I think about that, that sounds like a lot of chiefs, not enough Indians. It sounds like too many cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> all these things. You're getting yep. in fights with the, uh, with the Serbian chef. Like, I am very interested how you guys are cultivating that culture that you have within a restaurant, within uh-huh. the context of Filipino, all having egos and personalities and bringing them to bear in a meaningful way that actually doesn't fucking implode. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Well, and, and it, give us the names of everybody first so we can know who we're talking yeah. about. Uh, Daniel Girona, he's, a, um, he's actually a musician slash music teacher, uh, middle school music teacher. Um, he also he works for a, a touring music company, I think is what it is. Um, but uh, he runs the social media aspect of Nacho Lola's. He also contributes to recipes and R&D. He, uh, he facilitates the scheduling of events um, and talks with the, the vendors or promoters of people at the, lo- at the, the venues and whatnot. So um, Jed Pagella, he, is, he likes to be called director of R&D, um, when actuality, in actuality, he's uh, also our, S, our, our beverage director. <laughs> He, uh, he won second place in a tiki, uh, a Dallas tiki home bartender competition. And it was something that was put on over the summer last year for a uh, Dallas tiki week. And uh, he entered and got second place out of like, I don't remember how many, but second place out of however many still second place. And so, um, so he, he comes up with our cocktails uh, at private dinners and events, stuff like that. Um, 
he's a business analyst um, for some company in Dallas. I don't really know. I don't, <laughs> couldn't really tell you. Um, and then Carlo Wayan, uh, he is a pastry cook at the Ritz Carlton here in Dallas. He's also a baking and pastry student at the Collin County Community College. And um, I think it's in Plano, Texas. Um, and he's, he's almost done with that program. I think he'll be done in May. But he's a, although he's a pastry cook at the Ritz Carlton, he's our pastry chef within the group. And there is sort of a distinction there. Um, not a lot of people, uh, you know, take those in consideration from the outside uh, of the industry looking in. But yeah. He, want, he would want me to say, I'm not a pastry chef, I'm a pastry cook, but for us, he's, a pastry, he's our pastry chef, and uh, for the Ritz Carlton, he's a pastry cook. Okay, and so you have the four of you guys. Mm -hmm. How do you come together, and then, you know, the way that you guys are really delivering this message? Yeah. So this show is all about like why we get out of bed in the morning, who we serve, who we're doing this for, all that. Yeah. Give me, give me a little of this. You guys are, you know, navigating a space that's, that's new as far as Filipino food goes when it comes to being relevant, for lack of a uh -huh. better word, in yeah. kind of the zeitgeist of cuisine today. So give us a little bit and then how each of you guys is kind of bringing your, your passion, your skill, your knowledge, your history to bear in that in that ecosystem you guys are trying to create? Yeah. Um, I think, well, we come, we meet, we meet together a lot. We, we, we communicate. We're, we're great communicators. We we're always texting in the group chat that we have. Um, we're always talking about conceptualizing something new or scheduling an event or meeting with an event coordinator or something like that. Um, and when we come up for men come up with menus for events or dinners that we're doing, we always we always table our ideas of what we think we would each individual would want, and we we pick the best out of each individual's um, item, and we go that route. Um, very rarely do we like dis disagree on things. There are a couple of things we've disagreed on in the past, but it's not like it's never been like an ego thing where our or I pulled rank or. Or anything like that. So while I'm the chef and this is what we're doing and type of thing, it's it's always about how can we best represent Filipino food? You know, um, how can we best bring what we represent for Filipino food to the people of Dallas? And so um, it's not about the money that we could be making. It's it's not about you know the the adoration or the magazine articles or or anything like that. It's it's about getting our food and our culture to the people of Dallas, you know, so that zeitgeist that we're talking about is sort of a sponge here in Dallas, you know, people crave something new and something different. You know, a lot of people here can't get out to the Philippines as, as Anthony Bourdain or Andrew Zimmern has done, you know, um, so they watch these shows on Netflix and they have this craving for this food and this connection to the few people and, we all know the best way to connect with any culture is through the food. And so um, for me, this is, it's also about, you know, connecting with who I am and where I come from and then self-realizing that connection and bringing that to people who've never had it before. You know, that's the thing about being a Filipino is connecting with people and making new friends. You know, when you sit down at a Kamayan style dinner, you, you're, you're meeting someone new. You know, you're and you're sharing a meal with them while you're eating with your hands, you know, and it's 
no one's grossed out, no one's offended, you know, and everyone's enjoying and having this great time. So you're connecting with the culture and the food and the people. So that's the way we approach it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, having those. Clearly, it's about communication. You mentioned it between the four of you, but also you guys need to be great communicators to your audience because you're introducing them to something new. So finding ways to give them something maybe that they know or feels familiar, but also feels very exotic and and like they're living vicariously through Bourdain, through experiencing something that you're cooking that they may have seen on TV, which I, I, I like. I like the ability to connect those dots always. So uh, on a practical note, what does not your Lola's stand for mean represent the name itself? Um, Well, Lola is Tagalog for grandmother. And for a lot of Filipinos in America, or even in the Philippines for that matter, um, they grew up eating the food of their Lola or their Tita, which is aunt, you know, and so... Um, we're, we're four guys and I would, you know, and not to play a, a, any sort of gender roles or sexism here, but, you know, cooking is traditionally done by the women in the Philippines. So, um, four guys cooking Filipino food is not necessarily unheard of. It's just, it's different. So for us, it's, um, it's, uh, damn it. Sorry, I forgot the question. What was I trying to answer? Oh, what the name represents. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. So <laughs> for us, <laughs> it represents that this is our food and our representation of, of what you might have eaten from your Lola, but it's not your Lola's food. You know, this is it's food that you, you ate, you know, growing up, but it's not, it's not the way your Lola made it. It's, this is how we're making it. And, you know, for me as, as a chef with some... French technique background and, you know, other techniques involved and being learned and, 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 uh, implemented, you know, we're making food differently. You're making the Filipino food differently. And it's, it's putting on, putting it on this different platform and this different level. So, um, and it's, you know, I'm not trying to run, we're not trying to win any awards or anything like that. Like I said, it's about just getting the food out there and presenting it in a way that, you know, people are like are wowed by it, but then when they eat it, like, oh, this is just like what my my Lola made. You know, they're taken back. It's that that mouth feel, and then that that hit of serotonin to the dome of nostalgia. You know, of what your grandmother would make. So, yep, um, I'm into it. I'm into it. You're paying respect to Lola, and yes. still saying, but this is our way. This is yeah, us this connecting is it. This is this yeah. is this is some dudes cooking it just so you know setting yeah. <laughs> expectations yet we yeah. hope that we're doing a, an honor to yeah. all of your lolas yep i yeah. dig it all right now it is time for my favorite part <laughs> of this show this is all about we've talked about several people that need the acknowledgement from you personally from the industry as a whole from the, from our communities as a whole but i am all about us nominating some of our unsung hospitality heroes, the people who for us really make the industry go. And I was very excited to give people kind of just a glimpse behind the curtain. Uh, your nominee, I'll just call out his name, Michael Lauderdale, is actually the yeah. person who shared 
a, a little snippet on Facebook about you guys. I read it. I was taken by it. And I instantly reached out to you guys. And that is why you and I are having this conversation, which I don't think that you actually knew. So the fact that you then said, I wanted to give a shout out to Michael Lauderdale, just was so apropos, so perfect to yeah. like close that loop of thoughtfulness and of not acknowledgement. So let's talk about Micah a little bit. Let's talk about Micah. He's a, uh, he's, man, this guy's, um, <laughs> he's a bit of a wild card, but he's like in a good way. You know, he's, he's high energy. He's all over the place, but in, he's all over the place in the fact that he's like into all kinds of things as far as the industry is concerned. Um, this guy may have never met you, but he's, he, he'll be promoting your brand if he thinks it's legit, you know, if he thinks it's fire. Um, the very first time we were Facebook friends for a few months and then he called out, he put out a call on Facebook for, um, he needed help to get his truck jumped off. And um, I just happened to see his like, and I was off work and he's like right down the street from me. He's like, hey man, I'm right down the street. I'll come and help you out. So jumped his truck off and we sat and talked for like two hours. Um, just about the industry, our lives in the industry, and just like just all kinds of stuff. And the next, the following day or that weekend, I had an event that I was doing a pop up, and he just started blasting us. You know, he's like, "These guys, not your lows, are legit." You know, yada yada yada. And so, kind of, kind of, you know, he promoted us and he was boosting us and whatnot. So, um, from then on, you know, this I, you know started really focusing on what he was doing and, and, and uh, how he was on uh, playing on Facebook and whatnot. So he, he does that, you know, whether he's working at a place or when he's going to do yoga, he's, he's putting that yoga studio on blast. He's promoting them, you know, he's uh, working at Georgie, which is um, a Curtis stone restaurant that just opened up here in Dallas about a month, two months ago, you know, he's, doing stuff for them and he's putting them on blast you know he's promoting local chefs and what local chefs are doing and you know he's just um he's just one of those guys he's really he's affable he's high energy he's you know he's he's always smiling um he's always got a good attitude so he doesn't get i don't think he gets recognized enough for that so he could not agree more if you could bottle that the way that he's just like a fan and promoter because it's so easy for us to get caught up in our own loop and be so self-absorbed. Yeah. I've done it time and time again, like, because you start reading articles and, and people are hyping you up and everyone's patting you on the back. And so to acknowledge other people outside of your thing is like yeah. a real challenge. It really is. And so I give Mike a lot of credit. I, I know a lot about what's going on, especially in Dallas, but in Texas, because of Michael Lauderdale. So I just love the fact <laughs> he's just, he's looking for stuff, like you said, that's fire that he can believe in and he yeah. will promote the hell out of it. And yeah. I acknowledge that in a big way. We actually, our main social media focus for us is we're always scouring social media, looking for somebody who's promoting somebody else. Anytime we see a picture of somebody saying, here's our staff or one of our junior sous chefs just came up with a dish, like whatever it is, we will, we will share that on social media with the hashtag unsung hospitality heroes because everybody is sharing the pictures of their food and it's amazing, but the, the pictures and the connection to the people is always what matters. And so yeah. we're always promoting that as a, as a practice. Like, don't show me the dish you're going to serve. 
show me the person that's going to serve me the dish or cook me the dish holding the dish yeah. like that's that's the the asset that we actually really have because uh the food can it's rapidly getting commoditized and so i think people is yeah. the actual story and so micah i uh, so excited when you said that because uh, it made me think like yeah i know a lot about what's going on in dallas because <laughs> micah is like all over it yeah he's so all over it <laughs> really appreciate that excited when i read that name excited to hear the reverence that you have which takes us to the end to the end of this little piece and and we always want some some words to live by a little mantra a little something to take out and put into our daily grind and you say basic, basic bitches, bitches stay home stay home <laughs> tell us what that means i like it it's a it's a it's a little confrontational it's a little uh funny it's a, it seems like you i like it tell me about why that's something it, that uh, uh is top of mind for you it's uh yeah it is uh it is confrontational um our industry is not uh it's not an easy industry whether we make it hard for us or not it's not an easy industry um and it's not something that um, should be sugar-coated. And, and I hope that for a lot of young cooks coming up that no one sugarcoats anything for them. That, that I, don't, I don't wish that they learn a lesson the hard way, but that when they learn it, that they actually learn it. So basic bitches stay home. Um, a buddy of mine, Josh Farrell, uh, said that to me one time. Yeah. <laughs> But he said that in the context, he wanted me to stay up and party with him. <laughs> and I just couldn't do it. I, got to, I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning for work. And I was like, man, I'm just, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He was like, basic bitches stay home. And uh, I was like, I'm, well, I'm being basic tonight. So, um, and it's something that stuck with me. And um, when Dan and I communicate, when we talk about uh, events or meetings and stuff like that, you know, or sometimes when we talk about, you know, a dish coming up or, conceptualizing a dish you know um or doing sometimes doing four events within 10 days you know uh in a 10-day span you know i would say you know suck it up basic bitches stay home you know this industry isn't made for soft people you know you you have to have a certain panache for this industry you have to have a certain testicular tact so to speak um to it you have to have some some guts you have to have some backbone and you can't be basic you know um and so yeah basic bitches stay home you know either you go big or go home you know that's what that means shit or get off the pot it's very industry you get yeah. you get called <laughs> out your your manhood is put on the line and you know like getting called out that you're not drinking as much is part of the toxic part of our culture uh restaurant culture for sure right yeah yeah yet you take that the shit talking and you flip it and turn it into something funny that then actually becomes inspirational and drives you that is so hope, like yeah. something that we <laughs> that we do you know yeah. and, and and i and i love that about it like it, it started from a really negative place you turned it into a funny thing you turned it into a positive and now it's something that keeps you grounded and motivated at the same time so i am all about it randall Rod, my friend, really great talking to you. Inspired by what you guys are doing. Not your Lola's. Dallas, Texas, killing it. Thank you for being on my the show. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Randall, great conversation and said we had to talk to Mr. Michael Lauderdale because he's so big on promoting the scene, showing love to people across the Dallas city who are doing things that are interesting. So, Micah, I'm excited to talk to you, my friend. 
No, same. Thank you for having me. Let's give everyone just a little bit of background on you, and then let's get into kind of your relationship with Randall, and then I want to hear a little bit about what's shaking in Dallas from your perspective, since you kind of uh, clearly have a finger on the pulse and something that, like I mentioned, Randall pointed out. So tell us, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, my grandfather started a barbecue joint uh, from a Winn-Dixie parking lot. So I've kind of grown up uh, in barbecue restaurants doing catering. Uh, first job was a busboy. Um, making like four twenty-five an hour, um, I'd get in trouble in middle school and have to wrap baked potatoes. And then just felt it was a great way to make money. And uh, food service industry has always just kind of been a home for me. You know, no matter what was going on at school, work, personal, social, it's always like a place to eat, make money, and you know, you always have um, friends as well. Um, always have a tribe, man. Uh, the island of misfit toys. So you've been Fort Worth, <laughs> Dallas. You've been there since the get. So clearly, it's it's in your DNA. So that totally makes sense to me why you're out there sharing and promoting other people and just, you know, a, a, both a champion and a cheerleader for like the scene down there, because it's like, it's, it's your roots. So I, I can really appreciate that. And, and give us a little of that. Just Randall spoke about it, just how you're always just the energy and love that you have for the scene. Uh, how does that keep you going and motivating seeing what's happening in the Dallas scene? Well, living, I up? lived in Denver for seven years. And so coming back to Dallas, it was like, Oh my gosh, it was kind of boring at first but then i realized like what people in dallas were actually doing um you know and so that's why i got really into it and, and like promoting other people is because it's like i think it's so hard for the mainstream general public to understand how much hard work actually goes behind all the work in the kitchen uh whether it be a mixology bar a barbecue restaurant or like a michelin star restaurant i think it's it's so hard to communicate what's actually going on um, in the restaurant or the building to the general public that's why i like to help like my chefs who like i know or like taking time to do things the right way like they have integrity inside outside the kitchen you know they're parts of the community um you know they're trendsetters they take care of their staff their kitchen people um those are the kind of people i try to gravitate towards is the people who are kind of setting the trend how do you how do we bottle that and and pass it along because i've been guilty of it so many of us in the industry are guilty of just spending so much time talking about ourselves and the things that we're doing and the place that we're at but to be able to look outside of you know kind of the little bubble that you're in and be able to promote others and and you know there's like com competitive you always want to be competitive but like show love like, like that we all are building together i mean how do we how do we bottle that micah because you got it clearly and we need more of it <laughs> well for example i mean everyone down here is doing meat and potatoes um so like the different way that people like elevate meat and potatoes for example um, it's really cool. Like, you know, there's nice steakhouse with John Tizar. Um, you know, there's all kinds of crazy things going on with dry aged meat. Um, it's just like one, I just try to pay attention to people really trying to push the envelope, I guess like that. And I think everyone too, is just like, um, you know, anything else, like if, if you're in a little restaurant row or an area of restaurant and you get another restaurant in your neighborhood, it's only going to make your restaurant that much better. I feel like, cause it brings more diners to your, to your area. Uh, tell us what you're doing currently. What's what's your gig right now in Dallas? I mean, right right now I'm uh, I'm working with Joshua Harmon at the Belmont Hotel. He's revamping a uh, restaurant called Smoke. He has a few other uh, concepts, Birdie Bop in Fort Worth, um, and then doing a couple consulting projects in Grapevine. So I'm just his right hand man right now, just kind of learning as much as I can about fermentation, uh, Korean food, and everything in between. Oh, you're speaking my language. You know, I'm into and fermentation. One of the, one of the conversations we had last night, I practiced yoga and it was, he was like, Hey man, he's like, sometimes cooking is, is only 5% of what's going on at the time. So he's like, 
it's also about balancing the other 95% of your life together. You know, and yoga is very similar. Um, it's only 5% of it's like the Instagram poses and the things you see, but like 90, you know, the other 95% is like just showing up with so semi positive attitude every day, but being a team player, you know, getting the bigger picture, like buying in, I guess, like genuinely buying into the, to the concept and the vision. Yeah. And finding balance seems like it's, it's pretty paramount as well. Cause I mean, we're, we're an industry and individuals known for the, you know, work hard, play hard and being pretty out of balance. So I can appreciate that. That's an important way to keep some stability in a, in a fucking crazy industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all about having a good time, but you know, at the same time you can't call in tomorrow because you had, you had too much fun tonight. Randall specifically. What is that that you see in those guys that was something that really had you promote? I mean, we mentioned on this episode that your sharing of a post about those guys is what had me read it and then reach out to them. So I was excited when it came full circle. What was it about them that they're doing that's interesting to you? It, for me, it's a modern approach to um, authentic Filipino food. And it was like, it was basically like, it, it reminded me of like maybe me breaking into my grandmother's recipes and trying to reinvent like my grandmother's recipe, which is like kind of what I did in culinary school. And what I've done is, you know, I love like elevated, um, like childhood cuisines or like, you know, a good chicken fried steak, you know, um, way to like elevate comfort food and, and things like that. And I feel like they really did that and, or like they're carving the path for the Filipino scene in Dallas specifically. I was on, on my way to a job interview one day. I had a tasting for a, or like a, I think it was a, it was a job interview. It was like a CrossFit gym where they wanted me to make a couple things. And, and my battery had died in my car. I posted it on Facebook, like, Hey, have a tasting to get to, you know, if anyone could help me with a jump would be awesome. Randall was there within like seven minutes and like just the most hum humble, like passionate, genuine guy, like jumped off my car. I was like, good luck, chef, go get this tasting you know, go kill it. And uh, I didn't even end up getting the tasting, but all I can remember is he was there within like five minutes, like no questions asked. And jumped off my car, like jumped off my battery and was like, hey man, have a good shift, like good luck, kill it. And then I'd been following them for a while and just like the things that they're doing in Dallas, I feel like they're taking risks and doing things that like most, most chefs in Dallas won't do until they've seen someone else do it first. Those moments like that, like people in the industry, we fucking care. Given the opportunity to help out, a homie in the in a pinch somebody like oh, it was five o'clock it was like it was turning five o'clock the tasting was at like 5 45 or 5 30 you know it was ridiculous like so he was just right there and he's also like you know he's kind of blowing up and what i like about him and other chefs like josh Harmon and you know john tezar and jeremy robeson and a few other guys in dallas is like they carry that integrity with them inside and outside of the kitchen whether if it's a shake shack going to you know have a cheeseburger or you know making some food on their day off or like taking their daughter to school you know, the integrity outside the kitchen seems to have a, I guess, a direct impact on the food inside the kitchen as well. It's clear your appreciation for the industry as a whole and the, the humans within it is, uh, is infectious, man. I love the energy for sure. You mentioned a couple other chefs. Uh, Jeremy Robeson at the Adolphus doing some phenomenal things. He used to be the executive chef for Tyson Cole at Uchi. And then, of course, Randall and all those guys at Not Your Lola's. You are a great ambassador for Dallas, and I can see why, uh, why Randall, it was no doubt in his mind when he said you got to talk to Micah Lauderdale. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, representing your city and the industry as a whole. Appreciate it. No, you. I'm proud of it. Proud of Texas. Thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast.
Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.